Hello, everybody. This is not Bill DeFilippo. This is Back from the Dead. This is Nick Pollock, your host of tonight's episode of Roar Lions Radio. Yes, I have made my triumphant return to Roar Lions Roar after a long sabbatical. Um, but, you know, getting, getting married, going on a honeymoon, that kind of stuff, um, tends to take up some time. And I didn't really want my wife to hate me too much right away um, upon being married, so I figured it would be best to take some time off. Uh, but I'm happy to be joined tonight by the one and only Mr. Matthew DeBear. Matt, how are you? I am doing well, Mr. Pollock. This is, I believe, the first time that we, uh, non, non-typing version, the first time we've spoken since since your nuptials at the end of June. It absolutely is, yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't think I've spoken to anyone on the site in person since <laughs> since that day, <laughs> which is great because I hate all of you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I don't, it's, it's great to be back. I don't know how to take that. Now I'm, I'm a little offended, actually. Can you can you send back the gift, please? Um, no, I've already used it so many times. <laughs> uh, as you should, as you should. It's it's The decanter is currently full of, oh, what's in there? Buffalo Trace, I think, is in there right now. Solid choice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great to be back. It's great to be back uh, with the site, actually writing again. I've, I feel like I've fallen right back into my right back into my ways, but it's been fun seeing what everyone's been doing on the site in my absence, but I'm glad to be a part of it again. I missed, I missed all you fools. We, we missed you too. And, and I guess we're happy to have you back, but it's, uh, we, we survived for, for several months there really Bill, Bill and I had to, had to keep the podcast afloat ourselves. I know he just, he has done some, uh, season preview stuff with, uh, some, friends of the site here over the last couple of weeks. I think the first half is already posted. The second half should be going up relatively soon. And, uh, if, yeah, if not, the, if not the same day we post this, actually, they might, they may post on the same day. So, so, so actually everyone should listen to this and, and don't listen to bill because bill is too good to record with us tonight. Yes, this yeah. is very true. He is far, far too busy to entertain us. He is in, in the Windy City, New York, I believe, for his day job. Um, the Emerald City. Oh, yeah, so my, my mistake, my mistake. Yeah, well, eh, that's okay. We, we, can, we can survive without him. We'll, we'll get through this because we have a freaking football game to talk about. Finally. You know, it didn't, really, it didn't really hit me until, I mean, I had good distractions this summer. Again, honeymoon, wedding, all that kind of stuff. But it didn't really hit me until probably two weeks ago how much I missed college football. But once that feeling hit, it's been this like burning just I, I can't it it's offensive to me that it hasn't already begun. So I'm I'm very, very excited. Oh, absolutely. And I we'll get into you know, my life a little bit here towards the end of the podcast for for a number of reasons, but it's um really in the last probably in a week, you know, we're recording this on a Tuesday night before the game. So I know 10, 11 days before the season opener, I think is when all of a sudden, um, kind of realized how close it had gotten and, and starting to read preview things again and write preview things. And, um, and now just, you know, going full speed into the, into game week with the press conference that, um, Franklin had earlier today and all the things that kind of come along with it. And we're actually heading up to the game, um, heading up to state college for the weekend on Friday. So, kind of got that little itch going now too where i'm excited to get back in town and see friends and tailgate and and get back inside the stadium so it's all all like i said the last week or so it's kind of become a lot more real and it feels like it it really is here and it kind of came on all of a sudden like you said nick yeah this is actually one of the first times in maybe three years for me i'm not sure um that i will not be coming to the opener i usually do come up there for that but with so many big games on the home schedule this year, we just decided to choose a few other ones. Plus, I'm going to go up to New Jersey for the Rutgers game, so um, God help me. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to spend Saturday on my couch doing literal literally nothing but watching college football, and I'm I'm very excited for that. Yeah, and that's actually that that is my weekend next weekend for the Pitt game. I am going to decamp to my basement in front of the big screen and two other TVs that I will have set up and. Just drink some beer, eat some pizza and wings and whatever else I can find, and just watch football for about 15 hours straight, which is, to be perfectly honest with you, one of my favorite things to do 
Um, just kind of have that Saturday where there's nothing that needs to happen other than than enjoy 15, 16 hours, whatever it works out to be of, of college football. Yeah, and I it's I almost feel like it's more fun doing that in the beginning of the season uh, because yeah, they're obviously they're typically better games the further you go in the season, but those first two weeks so often are games that produce the things that we remember most about college football seasons, the games that we uh, think about, the big upsets that maybe we don't realize are upsets at the time. But one of those games that we absolutely knew was an upset when it happened and has remained beautifully, beautifully upset-tastic through the years was Appalachian State upsetting the Michigan Wolverines. And App State will now attempt to do the same against Penn State this Saturday at 3.30. The Mountaineers coming off a 9-4 2017 season where they actually finished 18th in Bill Connolly's S&P Plus rankings. Now, they got a huge jump at the end of the season uh, to get them to that point, but still, this is not a this is not a typical, you know, Akron or Akron or Ak- oh, I'm sorry Pitt or Kent State. This is not a normal um, pushover team that Penn State is used to seeing at the beginning of the season, at least in recent history. Um, what is it about App State that makes them scary? Well, I think it's you and I were talking a little bit before one in the air, Nick, because believe it or not, we actually do prepare for these things. But they they do a lot of things really well, um, and I think one of the more remarkable things for lack of a better term is how quickly they've adjusted from the FCS level to FBS. Now I think they're, this is their fifth year coming up fourth year. I'm not entirely sure, but it's, it has not been very long. And if you look at the the history of teams that have made that jump, um, they are by far probably one of the most successful right away. They've, they've won the Sun Belt. They've, um, they've played with a number of, of name uh, power five conference teams. Um, James Franklin mentioned it in his press conference today. They probably should beat, probably should beat Wake Forest. Um, they're, they're just a really solid team. Um, I think when we'll get into it a little bit here as we move on, they benefited greatly from uh, their like nine year starting quarterback, Tyler Lamb, um, who just was a master running that often. Uh, you know, much like their their whole team, they do a lot of things. He just did a, was solid. Didn't didn't beat himself. Didn't um, just did a really good job running the offense. Like I said, and on, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think one of the things that'll jump out to to fans when they turn on the game or they get in the stadium on Saturday is they're not a, a big team, um, and you know the, the physical imposing metric, whatever you want to call that will certainly be heavily in Penn State's favor. Metric. Well, yeah, we'll oh, go with that. But I guess it's not physicality. I guess that, I guess that made up word the, more the, the eye test. The eye <laughs> yeah. test. You, I mean, you, you, put a, you put Penn State players next to Appalachian State players, there's going to be a noticeable difference. But they're quick. They're fast. And again, they, they do what they do very well. Um, and you know, as we get into some of the specifics and who's back and, and everything, um, you'll see that. But they're they're well coached. They um, they're certainly not intimidated going into a place like Beaver Stadium. Like I said, they played in Tennessee a year or two ago. Um, obviously, that Tennessee team isn't as highly regarded as the Penn State team they'll see on Saturday is. But going into Neyland Stadium isn't exactly um, you know a cakewalk, um, even even in the the worst of years for the Volunteers. So um, it's just a really well run program. I know everyone focuses on that that Michigan upset, which believe it or not was. 11 years ago next weekend. Holy crap. Um, yeah, I, I would say I was still in college, but I would have already graduated by that point. So it just even further proves or, or reminds me how, how old I've, I've become, but I, I won't uh, make you feel bad and tell you how old I was. That's okay. you were, you were in, in first or second grade, I believe <laughs> I, I was three days out of the womb <laughs> <laughs> and you just got married, but mazel tov. <laughs> Um, but no, I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but they're just, they're just a really solid team that doesn't beat themselves. They don't turn the ball over. They, they're physical at the point of attack. They just, they, they do what they want to do and they do it well and they execute very well. Um, and you know, as we talk a little bit more about the game specifically, we'll, you know, I'll get into a little bit more, but I think this is a team that is going to kind of hang around a little bit on Saturday, might, you know, get some murmurs and some, some 
concern from the Nittany Lion faithful, but um, despite you know losing Lamb and losing a couple of the other um, key players of, over the last couple of years, um, I think it's still a really good team. It's a team that's going to challenge for the Sun Belt again, and you know I expect it to be a, a pretty a pretty good first test. Um, you know, in, in a, a schedule that is going to feature later in the year four preseason top fourteen teams, um, plus the trip to Pitt. Um, plus that Iowa team that always seems to be cause trouble, even even in the their down years. So um, it's a, it's a good way to start the year. I think I don't think it's a team that um, will be overlooked. Um, I think that Michigan win resonates with with any name program anymore. Um, even if it was you know so long ago, it's still one of those things that um, I think players are are easily reminded of, and it's easy to point to. Hey, this team, this program. You know, when they were down a level, went into Michigan when they were the number five team in the country and knocked them off on their home field. Um, you know, you got to be ready. So I, I think they they check a lot of boxes from a from a coaching perspective that you want to see in that first game when you think you have a pretty good team coming back like Penn State does. Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, and even though it's not the same team that it was then, obviously it, they the program's gone through a lot of changes. They've become a consistently strong team at this point as compared to what they were when they uh, did pull off that upset of Michigan. Uh, but this is a... I mean, this is a team that's not missing a whole lot. What they are missing, though, like you said, Taylor Lamb, four-year starter at quarterback, uh, they will also be without defensive coordinator Nate Woody now, who's moved on to Georgia Tech. So... They have they have a lot in the way of skill positions. Their secondary should be excellent. I believe they ret- return two all conference cornerbacks. Uh, like you said, the defense is what it lacks in size. It makes up for in speed. They have Jalen Marshall or Jalen Marshall, Jalen Moore, who is a uh, stud running back, has put up over three thousand yards in his first three seasons at App State. So they have a lot going for them. Of course, the big question is going to be are they able to kind of fill in that quarterback spot uh, for a for a team that's not going to be consistently recruiting high-end signal callers? That can often be a really difficult question to answer, and it, I mean, this game is probably not the best gauge for them for their season on whether or not uh, whoever is their starter. I'm not actually sure who that'll be. Uh, this won't be the best gauge for them for their season as far as what he'll be able to do uh, season long, but it's it's not a great situation for them to be as as many pieces they have and as well coached as they may be entering a hostile environment like Penn State a big game environment with a brand new quarterback is not a great situation no not at all and the 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 next man up is likely Zach Thomas at quarterback ah uh, yeah, yeah um, that's right and he played I, he's a sophomore i think he played a little bit last year in relief um i Believe it or not, I'm not a huge expert on the 2017 Appalachian State what? Mountaineers, but um, and I, as I'm as I did remind myself a little bit about what's coming, you know, who they have coming back and whatnot. I think it's a it's a interesting test for Penn State because of of where they are strong. They are a a run first team. They were even with with Lamb last year. You mentioned Moore, who's coming off back to back a thousand yard seasons, um, but they ran the ball a lot last year, and you figure with more back as well as lamb gone as well as um they've replaced their leading receiver uh, mike lewis who had uh 50 or 51 receptions a year ago so the the two main components of their passing attack are, are being replaced so you figure that they're going to rely on that running attack um especially early on especially on the road against in a, a what figures to be a pretty hostile environment and i think that's a that's a good test for a penn state team who on the defensive side of the ball, the biggest question is what what are they going to do against the run? They have questions at linebacker. They have questions at defensive tackle beyond the, the two starters in Givens and Windsor. Um, they have a lot of young talent there, but it's unproven. Um, their starting middle linebacker is a, is a walk-on who's a talented player, smart player, um, but he has not played a whole lot, especially in, in meaningful snaps. And they're replacing two safeties. And obviously, over the last four years, Penn State relied a lot on Marcus Allen and run support. So, um, from that perspective, I think it's a it's a you know aside from all the other things that we've talked about, it's an it's a good test. Um, then you flip over to the defensive side of the ball, 
and they are they're talented in, in in the secondary. And I think with without Saquon Barkley, obviously, and with Trace McSorley, that passing attack is going to be what Penn State looks to looks to focus on. Um, so I, it's it it checks a couple more boxes if you want to think of it that way. As far as um, Penn State's going to be be tested right away, and the coaching staff's going to get a real early look at at some of these perceived question marks. Um, do they have the answers? Are they still have to keep looking for them? And I think that's um, that's that's some some interesting uh, stories to follow on Saturday. Yeah, I think you nailed it. It's really this is kind it it kind of is the best possible matchup for a week one opponent in terms of playoff resume yeah you can argue that it'd be better to be going up um against a fellow top 25 team like the auburn washington game or the notre dame michigan game which we'll get to later so in that way you could argue a game like that would be better but in a time where you're not really um, rewarded for scheduling games like that per se. You're more rewarded for getting through your season unscathed. Playing a team like App State for Penn, this Penn State team is perfect. We've been saying all offseason that uh, the on the edges of the defense, this team is very strong at corner, at defensive end, at outside linebacker. But the middle of the defense, defensive tackles, middle linebacker, the safeties is where they're very green and they lack experience. So going up against a run-first team, what's likely to be a run-first team is going to be uh, a great test, like you said, and um, I hadn't even thought about it the other way, thinking about how this is a good test for the offense as well, but you're absolutely right. Their secondary is supposed to be, uh, is well, seems like it's going to be very good, so that'll be a nice test for McSorley, even though I do expect to see a good amount of Miles Sanders and Mark Allen and Ricky Slade in this game. You know, and if you um, want to think about it that way, they run, Appalachian State runs a 3-4, which yeah. is not the kind of defense you see very often, um, certainly in the Big Ten, really around college football as a whole. And so with an offensive line that's supposed to finally be a strength um, with a bunch of upperclassmen all the way across the front, you would, it's it's another test for them to see, you know, see something that they don't typically get a look at. They're going to be challenged. They're going to have different sorts of assignments and, and, and things along those lines. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I think that the size advantage we talked about earlier on is whether it, it takes, you know, one series or three quarters of the game, eventually that size advantage, the physicality that you mentioned is going to take over sooner or later. It's just, you know, bigger bodies against smaller bodies. Eventually it, the, the size wins out in most cases. So, um, but it's. You know, to, to keep harping on it, it's, it's another solid test for a team that um, we all expect to be pretty good, but has some some significant questions to answer before they get into the meat of the schedule um, in late September and in October. Definitely, it's it's a it's a necessary test, I'd say. Absolutely, and I think it's it's it beats you know if they were to open with Kent State and then you know, swap those two games, you know, Kent State is is really down this year and. Um, it was actually a 16 or 17 point underdog at Illinois, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeesh. But 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 if you were to if you were to flop those two games, um, I think James Franklin and his coaching staff would probably never admit it. They're probably pleased that they're getting Appalachian State to start the year instead of Kent State, because I think they'll learn a little a little bit more about what they have going into the pit game the following weekend than they would if if they weren't facing the Mountaineers until the third week. Um, after the pit game. So it's, it's, it sets up pretty well as long as Penn state takes care of business. Yeah. And I agree with that point about the pit game. I think that the fact that this app state game comes first, like you said, I'll give them a chance to learn a little bit more about their team because I, in my mind, I, I'm not in that coaching room, but I feel pretty confident in saying that they want to go into Pittsburgh and absolutely smack the Panthers. Um, Not only to make up for, uh, not only to make up for the loss last time there in Pittsburgh, but just to, I mean, they they handily beat the Panthers last year, but it, it wasn't a blowout by any means. Um, so you kind of want to prove that you truly are definitively much, much better than Pitt. Um, and plus, it's always fun to beat Narduzzi. So it's, and of course, in terms of trying to qualify for the playoff, that's, I mean, they're all must-win games, really. So I, I agree. I think this is a really good game to have right before Pitt because, like you said, it allows them to learn a little bit about themselves. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. I think we've talked about it, you know, off the podcast, you and I, Nick and Bill and some of the other guys that, you know, if you go back a couple of years, would they have been better served by maybe playing Temple in, in week one as opposed to, was it Akron or it might have even been Kent State? I can't remember. It's, who it's they opened always with, Akron with, or Kent with two State. Two years ago. Um, you, would they have been better prepared going into that pick game if they had faced a little bit stronger test in week one? You know, obviously, we'll never know the answer to it, but I think, um, with with no real preseason, you know, which is obviously unique, one of many unique things about college football, that first game is you, you see so many different ideas about how you attack it. You'll see the teams that schedule that that bottom of the barrel, you know, bottom of the of a, a group of five conference team to open the season, all the way up to you know the Alabama Florida State games or Michigan Florida last year, and some of, some of the big name neutral site season opener kind of games that you see across the country at Washington, Auburn that we've got coming up this, this weekend. And then you have these kind of middle of the ground games. And I think, again, if you, if you catch a coach in a, in a honest moment, that's probably the sweet spot they want to hit. And it's, it's so hard to gauge because you're setting these games up four five, six years in advance. And who know you know, the kids that are, are going to be featuring in that game are, are in middle school in a lot of cases. So you're, you're trying to project, you know, a, a strength of a program as a whole, as opposed to the specific year's team. But I think, you know, this is, this is kind of the, like we've said, the perfect setup for Penn state. They're going to see a team that they're athletically superior. Then there's a reason they're favored by, by about three steps. Um, but they're going to be tested in a few ways that, that figure to, to give the coaches an idea of, of where, where they're in good shape and where they need to look at, and you know different different options different strategies that sort of thing yeah like you said unless there's a coach out there deliberately lying i don't think they'd i don't think a coach would argue that uh having a team like this is a good is a good first test so with that let's get into our game predictions um i i'll go first i'll i'll uh, i'll let the pressure off you a little bit and i'll make my prediction first i see penn state winning this game somewhere in the neighborhood of 34 37 17 i i think that it's a tall order for app state for uh to have a new quarterback in this spot i think that's going to be a really difficult situation for them and i think they'll get some points on the board especially against a inexperienced penn state defense but i don't i don't see the any lines having too much trouble in this game uh, like you said i do think they'll learn a little bit about the team but uh, I, I think they'll be fairly straightforward for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of on board with your final score, roughly. I think what, and I've been saying this, it feels like for, and I probably have been for eight months, nine months since the end of, of the, uh, the 2017 season, but this is the kind of game where it's going to, I feel like it's going to be, you know, 14-7, 16-10, something like that at halftime. Definitely. And it's it's probably been sloppy. You know, maybe there's a couple turnovers or drop passes, missed assignments, things like that, missed tackles. Um, you know, some of that is, is rust. Some of that is nerves. Some of that is inexperience. Um, but Appalachian State's good enough to, I think, kind of hang around, at least on the scoreboard, for a quarter or two. Um, but I think in the end, Penn State pulls away and, and wins something, like you said, 38, 14, 35, 17, something like that. The spreads, I'm looking at it right now, 23 and a half. I think they're going to be right around that. Um, so if you're considering placing a wager at one of the many new sports books across the country that have opened up in the wake of uh, Supreme Court action, um, my, my very expert advice is to stay away because I don't I don't have a, a strong feeling one way or another. Um, but I, I think it's a game that Penn State ultimately wins pretty handily. When you look at the, the scoreline on Sunday morning, um, it looks like they kind of did what they were supposed to do. But um, there, I feel like there's going to be some hairy moments over the first quarter, maybe first half, as as things kind of settle themselves out. Guys guys settle in, and those those new starters, um, freshmen, et cetera, are, you know, kind of get comfortable with with playing in front of what should be pretty close to a salad, according to to James Franklin earlier today. Yes, as always, unless there is some sort of over under that's under the radar, don't bet Week One college football. You don't know anything. They don't know anything. It's not it's not worth your money. It's it's just not the the best the best bet on Week One college football 
doesn't exist anymore because the best bet was the Art Briles Baylor teams betting the over week one because it always happened. But that well, that doesn't exist anymore. So. Maybe maybe Oklahoma State. Yeah, yeah. Or Oregon in the over was usually a pretty fun bet. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's there's there's so much turnover. There's so much. Um, you know, go, very rarely do you have the team that returns. 19 starters, their quarterback, their running back, their entire, you know, both lines, you know, every key player. It's, there's just so much unknown. You know, Penn State has a few more than, than a lot of teams this year, but it's just, yeah, like you said, betting week one college football is, is an exercise in, in futility and complete guesswork. So if you win some money, congratulations, you're a very lucky person. Yeah, depending on what the over-under for Auburn-Washington is, maybe that, because it's probably going to be under, but, yeah. Don't, yeah, just... Do yourself a favor and stay away. So with that, uh, I think we should I think we should go ahead and take a look around the Big Ten a little bit. We're not going to talk about every game because there's some truly terrible football games that will be played this weekend. But there are three that we've picked out that we would like to highlight. And uh, we'll also jump through and choose a few games here and play everyone, well, not everyone's favorite, everyone's second favorite game. Our favorite game is the Real Pen Live comment or not, which I am not currently equipped to play. Um, but our second favorite game is Guess the Ticket Price, so I'm going to put Matt through that a little bit. Um, but we will run through the rest of the Big Ten schedule, um, and we'll kind of we'll pause and talk about our favorite games that we have this week. So on Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern time, we have New Mexico State at Minnesota opening up the Big Ten season. Matt, you want to go ahead and guess on what the ticket price is for this? Oh, this is at, at beautiful T- TCF Bank Stadium. I've oh, been there. It's gorgeous. I, I, I saw Matt McGloin make his, his um, amazing college football debut there in 2010. All I right, will say. R.I.P. Rob Bolden. I will say $6.50. You are um, very off at. Well, I guess that term is relative, but it's actually $28. Oh, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not bad for a Minnesota game on a Thursday night. I guess season opener bump too, but um, well, and, and I, I guess you know you're in Minneapolis, and you know it's going to start snowing there any day now. So I guess true. you get outside while you can. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, also on Thursday night, eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time, we have Northwestern visiting Purdue. This one you can actually get in for thirteen dollars, but this is one of the ones we wanted to stop and talk about. Uh, the current line, Purdue is favored by just a point. The over under sitting at fifty one. I. I'm seeing Purdue favored by one. I actually might bet this game because I feel pretty good about Northwestern in this one. You know, I th- I think we all assume that Clayton Thorson will be starting. Um, yeah, yeah, they haven't. I, yeah. I don't I don't believe they've officially said it. If they have, I've missed it. Um, you know, obviously he had the ACL injury in their bowl game um, just you know eight or nine months ago now. Um, but all indications are that he's been taking the first team reps for Northwestern. But they've got to replace. Um, Justin Jackson, that you know, the the most prolific running back in school history, um, going to Purdue. This I I'm fascinated by this game on so many levels because I think this is you know a an early West Division second place battle because let's face it, Wisconsin is going to win the West by at least a couple games probably because they're just that much better than everyone else. You are not going to be pleased with my Big Ten predictions tomorrow then. <laughs> well, I'm seldom pleased with that. Thank you. That's that's fair. I, I'm 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 one. I'm looking forward to watching this game because it's college football and everyone loves college football. Two, it's an it's an actual meaningful game in, in week one, which you don't often get, especially in a conference level. Um, and I'm fascinated to see what what year two of Jeff Brom in in West Lafayette uh, creates. I think um, they have some questions to answer given some of their losses from last year, but. Um, there was not a whole lot of talent on last year's team, and they they managed to win seven games um, on a team that had, I don't think, won seven games in the two or three years combined previously. So Jeff Brown can, can obviously coach. Um, I think Pat Fitzgerald, you know, for all the, the jokes that, that we throw around, is a heck of a coach as well. Um, winning at Northwestern is not easy. It's a lot like we talk about James Franklin winning at Vanderbilt before he came to, to Penn State. But... Um, I don't know if we're doing predictions, but I'm going to make a prediction that I think for it. I think Purdue wins this game by a field goal late. Um, I'm not going to give you a score because I have no That's idea, okay. but, I, but 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 I like the Boilermakers in this one, um, and I'm surprised it's only 13 bucks to get in. Yeah, well, I'm, well, it's in West Lafayette. I mean, it's 
Yeah, it's a Big Ten game, but it's it's a Purdue home game. It's not. It's like not. It's not a basketball game. Okay, I see your point. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I I disagree. I I think Purdue is in for a rough season. Personally, I love Jeff Brom. I think he is an amazing coach, and I think he's going to get a hopefully an awesome job when he's done with the Boilermakers. But Purdue loses a lot on defense from last year, and their defense was secretly kind of the key to their team in 2017. So I'm really not feeling good about what they're going to be able to do in 2018. I I think I let me check real quick. I think I only have them pegged for three wins. Yeah, I have them going three and nine. Um, one of the reasons I have them losing this first game is because, especially early in the season, I'm always going to go with the. I'm, I'm going to pick the team that has the established quarterback. Not that Purdue uh, doesn't have that in David Blau and Elijah Sindelar. I'm sorry, future SEC quarterback David Blau, but I will. I, I I would I would I feel much safer with Clayton Thorson. I don't think he's a first round potential first round NFL draft pick. I that that may be even worse than Mitch Leidner, honestly. But I I'm gonna he's a good college a very good college quarterback when he's on. So I'm I'm always gonna lean to the side of the uh, the better quarterback, especially in early season games. Well, we will we will have a friendly wager on that one, and uh, winner will will buy a drink when we're both in town for the Ohio State game next month. Lovely, and by buy a drink, you mean get one out of the cooler? Well, I might have paid for it though, as far as you know. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Moving on, Friday, August thirty first, seven o'clock p.m. We have Utah State visiting number eleven Michigan State. We're not going to talk about that one. It's not very exciting. Uh, at 9 o'clock p.m., getting late, we have Western Kentucky visiting number four, Wisconsin. Do you want to take a guess for a ticket price on this one? I'll tell you that there are 710 tickets available. Uh, a Friday night in Madison. Mm-hmm. I am not I'm not sure if I would choose to spend my Friday night in Madison in Camp <laughs> Randall Stadium for that game. Um, I would choose to spend a Friday night in Madison on State Street just about any other night of the year. Um, I will say... $19.50. Wow. It's $19. That that was impressive. I I I have looked zero times at at the StubHub page. So that that was just a pure pulling it out of midair. Maybe I should uh, go buy a lottery ticket. That was impressive. Uh, Wisconsin favored by 37 and a half in this game. Over. <laughs> That's a lot. Um I mean, Jonathan Taylor could, might put up seven touchdowns in this game in this game, so. Uh We'll see about that. Moving on, Saturday, September 1st, aside from the Appalachian State-Penn State game at 3 o'clock, 3.30, uh, we have Oregon State visiting Ohio State at noon. Ohio State favored by 39 points as for as much turmoil as is going on off the field for Ohio State, which we're not going to get into here. Oregon State's not a good team. They shouldn't have any trouble there. That's not interesting. Moving on. Also at noon, we are going to talk about this one. Number 23, Texas, visiting Maryland. The revenge tour for the Longhorns. Texas currently favored by 13 and a half on the road. 13 and a half on the road. I know, well, I mean, I know Maryland's in turmoil, but almost a two-touchdown favorite on the road. I'm I'm fascinated by this game for some, you know, the, all, all the off-field unfortunate things that have happened with uh, – um, the young man at Maryland um, that they lost earlier in the spring two or three weeks about um, their their training staff and and um, DJ Durkin's methodology. Um, just a, a really really unfortunate situation for. Um, and I'm, I apologize, I'm blanking on the young man's name that that passed Jordan away McNair. in the spring. Jordan McNair, um, you know, you know what his family's been through, but um, on the field, it's Maryland has some talent. And I really like their their quarterback shot options. I don't know if it's Kasim Hill or one of the nine other guys who played quarterback last year with the, the rotating cast of characters due to injury. But Max Bortenschlager. I'm not sure I can say that right if you if you spelled it in front of me the first try. <laughs> but I I have a really hard time seeing seeing Maryland hang around in this game. I think Texas is really set up to have a big year. You know, 11, 12 wins, but I think um, Tom Herman's too good a coach for them to to not have a good year. I think they've recruited well, really well. Um, the talent level in the program as a whole is is recovering. Um, and I think 
that's really the key here for the Longhorns is they're just a better, more talented team than Maryland. I don't think this game is being played in Landover, Maryland, I believe, if, if my memory is correct, at, yes, uh, is. at FedEx Field or whatever it's the called now. Worst, uh, second worst stadium in the NFL. I'm not even going to ask what the first one is because I, I know like three stadiums in the NFL. But anyway. Levi, um, Levi so Stadium, so you, 49ers. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, so you, you even minimize any sort of potential home field advantage that Maryland would have if this game was being played in, in college parks. So I don't know if Texas covers the 13, 13 and a half points, but I have a really hard time seeing, seeing Maryland win this game. I know they won last year in Austin, but this just, it, everything around about this game feels, feels like it's going in Texas's favor. As much as I am in, I'll believe it when I see it mode with Texas like you said, they're definitely better than Maryland and with everything going on with Maryland off the field. Though, I mean, there are worse things than having Matt Canada be the one to take over, I guess. Um, we'll see what his offense actually looks like with Maryland. Like you said, Casem uh, Hill and uh, Tyrell Pigrome, both decent options. So I, I agree with you. I don't, I'm not sure Texas covers 13 and a half, but I think they're able to win this game pretty easily. Moving on, also at noon, Kent, as we alluded to before, Kent State visiting Illinois. Illinois favored by 16.5 points in this one. You can get in. <laughs> oh, boy. You want to take a guess at what you can get in this game for? You, you told me before oh, told we, before we right. started recording, but it's $2. <laughs> $2. <laughs> Oh, I boy. believe I believe that's probably the StubHub price. So the way the StubHub fees work, I think there's like a minimum charge because I've paid it for, for Big Ten <laughs> basketball tournament tickets before. I think you're paying like two or three times the, the value of the ticket in fees to get into that oh game, which works out to like, like six, six and a half bucks. It reminds, <laughs> me, it reminds me of when, I think when I was, I think it was when I was in college maybe. It was when the Nets were, it wasn't this like current wave of Nets bad. It was when they were toward the end of Darren Williams wave bad. And you could get, you could get tickets in the like in the rafters. I think they were still at Continental Arena at this point too, so they're still in the Meadowlands. Um, actually, yeah, they definitely were. This is before the Brooklyn move. So towards the end of their time there, you could get seats in the rafters for twenty five cents online. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was. I remember looking at it being like, oh, well, I mean, twenty five cents, why not? And then with seller's fees, it was like. 600 times as much as were the seller fees because it was like six dollars in seller fees so the, the, the sad part about this is the person who is listing these two dollar tickets on StubHub is only getting a buck 80 because I believe that the StubHub commission <laughs> off of off of what what you make as the seller is 10 percent so so you're getting less than two dollars you, you can buy I don't even think you can buy a cup of coffee for, for the amount for what you will make <laughs> Off at, of selling your point, Illinois Kent State tickets, if someone point, even you, buys them, you might as well just keep the ticket on the off chance that, like Illinois goes undefeated this season, just so you can have it and display it. But I mean, yeah, what are you getting? What do you What are you getting out of selling that ticket for two dollars, really? Unless the, you're unless you're trying to buy tickets to uh, six, seven Nets games circa two thousand ten. <laughs> I, I I can't even begin to imagine. I guess the, the 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 feeling that you have have helped someone that is dying to see the Illini and and Golden Flashes duke it out in Champagne on a Saturday afternoon. You you have you have helped that person fulfill their their dream. I, I guess that's about all you get out of it, as well as your buck eighty. There is somebody out there. Yeah, there is somebody out there who grew up really conflicted between Kent State and Illinois, and this is just their dream game, and they, they're happy to pay that $2 to get in. Although, I, I, fe I feel like before I move on, I also have to mention, because now I'm thinking about that net season. That was also the season. I can't, I haven't been able to find it in the, anywhere on the internet, so I can't definitively prove it, but I know it happened. That was also the season that their main giveaway all year, I think it was six different games, they gave away Darren Williams, Nets, um, pennies. Like, it was a jersey but in penny form but they were all reversible and on the opposite <laughs> side was the best player on the team they were playing against so you could go to a Nets Lakers game and get a Darren Williams penny or you could reverse it and be wearing a Kobe Bryant penny it was the best is... the best thing that has ever happened in the NBA 
This is this is fascinating to me. <laughs> I, one day I will find proof of its existence because it was incredible. I, I feel like this is this is the Cavs' future post LeBron now. In, in, <laughs> in two or three years, you know, as as things just totally fall apart uh, in, in Northeast Ohio, you will be able to buy. I, I don't know what twenty five cents equates to after inflation today. But you you will be able to find the equivalent of that seat in Cleveland in, in the not too distant future, I fear. Yeah, it yeah, that's oh well, that's unfortunate. Hey, we got a title out of it. I'm okay. It's true. That's yep, exactly. If you get a title, you can't really complain. Moving on, twelve noon, also on Saturday, we have Texas State visiting Rutgers. Rutgers favored by sixteen and a half points in this one. You want to take a guess at ticket prices for this? There's eight hundred and seventy six <laughs> available. Well, I, I know two dollars is the minimum that StubHub charges, <laughs> and I feel like you would have told me if this was two dollars as well. So I'm going to say like four dollars. Ah, oh, so close, five dollars. You're probably paying about as much as you were paying in in fees, yep. <laughs> or after fees for the Illinois game to get into that game. So, yep. um, again, Labor Day weekend in in New Jersey, I'm probably not hanging <laughs> out at uh, at High Point Solutions Stadium. Uh, it's it's a beautiful place. I look forward to visiting again this year. Playing alongside Penn State and Nap State at 3.30, we have Northern Illinois visiting Iowa. Iowa favored by 10.5. This could be a perfect situation for a classic Iowa loses to an FCS team, maybe. This, this feels very 23-20 someone. I'm not going to try and figure out who, but... I can't remember the last time Iowa was was even remotely impressive in a season opener, <laughs> and so and and I, I I feel like this this is going to come down to a field goal late by someone, and it's just going to be an ugly game that we'll all feel feel lucky that we didn't have to watch because we were otherwise occupied with Penn State. Yeah, realistically, Nate Stanley is probably good enough to win this game on his own, but we shall see. At seven o'clock p.m., we have Indiana visiting Florida International. Indiana favored by ten and a half on the road. I have them winning that game. Uh, we'll come back to the other 7.30 game in just a second. At 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, we have Akron visiting Nebraska. Nebraska favored by 24.5. Akron's not very good. 24.5 is kind of a lot for a not totally inexperienced Nebraska team, but um, obviously Adrian Martinez, true freshman, so that's an interesting one. Uh, but then jumping back, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, probably the biggest game in the Big Ten. This Actually, definitely the biggest game in the Big Ten this week. We have number 14, Michigan, visiting number 12, Notre Dame. Notre Dame favored by just a point over under sitting at 47. You can get into this game for the low, low price of $359, if that so entices you. Um, I I personally have Notre Dame winning this game. I It's, it's not that I, <laughs> I don't really like or dislike either of these teams more than the other one, really. I, it, it really this one really just for me just comes down to Notre Dame's the home team and I think that'll give them a little bit of a bump I I still am not sold on Brandon Wimbush I, I so boldly claimed at the beginning of last year that he was my dark horse Heisman pick it's not really looking like it's gonna work out anytime soon but we'll see but Michigan with Shea Patterson in his first game with Michigan uh, no Tariq Black uh, broke his or fractured his foot we found out I, I I'm gonna lean Notre Dame in this one personally. And Michigan has actually been favored pretty much since this line came out. Gosh, I think this was one of the ones that was released like in in April because yeah, the generates have to gamble at at all times. Um, but it it just switched to Notre Dame in the last couple of days with the, the Tariq Black news. Um, it, it went from a point Michigan to a point Notre Dame, give or take. So which really I think kind of tells you a lot about Michigan's offense, that a line's going to move like that and that people are going to bet like that just because of one receiver going down. Well, and, and I think you saw last year, Black was you know, was really solid in, in three games before he broke his, his left foot last year. It's the right one this year that's injured. Um, so I, I think in, it, it was not only him. The quarterback play suffered as, as Spake got hurt and then um, O'Korn struggled and then Peters came in and Peters got hurt and O'Korn came back and he struggled and um, so I, it was not just Tariq Black being gone. It was not just the quarterback play. Their offensive line struggled. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was, was an all-everything receiver out of high school, um, showed flashes as a freshman, but you know showed that the, the leap from high school to college, even for elite receivers, is not as easy as it would look. 
Um, I'm I'm fascinated by this game for two reasons. I'll get I'll get into the the one here briefly. The other one um, is a little different, but Michigan is once again everyone's darling. Um, it seems at least in, in the, the national media, you know, the Shea Patterson um, transfer, the immediate waiver, he's going to be eligible to play right away. You have um, um, the 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 Harbaugh factor. Rashawn Gary, you know, the, what should be, once again, an absolutely dominant defense for Michigan. But the offense just has so many questions, and there's this prevailing thought that Shea Patterson is is the the missing link. And I quarterback was a huge issue last year. I think they probably do win another game or two if you get hurt or Peters doesn't get hurt. Or Corn was just, just not good at all. Um, I don't know if they beat beat Ohio State. I don't know if they beat Wisconsin, but I think they, they eke out another win somewhere. Um, maybe they win the bowl game um, in January against South Carolina um, with better quarterback play. But I don't know if, if Patterson is is two or three wins better than what they had last year with, with what he has to work with, especially with three blackout. We also 30. don't even know if they can block yet. Exactly. And that, that really, and I, I live 20 minutes from Ann Arbor, so I'm I, I know more about Michigan than 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 I care to admit, just because it's kind of hard to escape up here. But the, the offensive line was really the the heart of their issue on offense last year. They could not consistently protect the passer. They could not consistently block for a couple of pretty talented running backs. Um, and don't know they they have the answers up front, um, and I think we're going to find out really quick because name um, is really good. Um, on, in their defensive front, as they they really have been since um, uh, for, for a number of years. Um, so I, I I have no idea who's going to win this game, but I'm going to say something that that is sacrilegious to probably 99% of the Penn State fans listening to this. I I am I am the world's biggest Michigan fan this year um, for, for 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 11 weeks. And and Nick, you know you know why why that is. Um, I, I I I lost my dad um, suddenly just a couple of weeks ago. Um, he grew up um, not too far from where I'm sitting right now um, in Southeast Michigan, and it was a huge Michigan football and basketball fan. My parents had Michigan football season tickets from the time I was born until sometime when I was in school. I think is when they finally gave them up. My grandparents had seats. Um, I've, I've got a story going up on the website on Wednesday that kind of kind of outlines my history and, and how my dad is the one who got me in, into to college football. Um, and so, so some of my best memories revolve around those trips um, up to Ann Arbor from from Ohio, where I grew up as a kid. So um, there's a for for 11 or 12 weeks. And, and like I said, in, in what's going up on the site on Wednesday, um, I know my dad will understand that on November 3rd, some things are a little bit more important, um, than, than family loyalty because, um, you know, we, we, we shared a, a lot of good natured ribbing and texts and he, he started following me on Twitter. Oh gosh. four oh, or five God. Ago Now I think he, he never tweeted once in, in all the years <laughs> he was active, but he, he followed me. Um, this is exactly I, I, like I, my dad. I, I believe at my brother's urging, and, and I didn't know know about this until this was at a tailgate three or four years ago. And I got a text from him that made no sense in context unless you took into account something I had tweeted earlier. And I, and I, I wish I could remember exactly what this was. But I remember, you know, I was, I was you know, hanging out with my buddy, so I didn't respond right away. And I think I, we either spoke on the phone or texted the, the next day. And I, you know, what do you mean, Dad? was your tweet and so from from that day on just about it was a just about a given anytime i had anything snarky to say about michigan on twitter it didn't take probably more than an hour in most cases for dad to send a text back to me you know wondering you know why i was so obsessed with harbaugh or, or or why i was so worried about michigan or or why i couldn't just get back to work in some cases um, and that's uh, among other things, one of those things I'm really going to miss, um, you know, not only this fall, but for, for a long time, but, um, the, the best thing I, I think I can do to, to, to remember my dad and, and, and honor my dad in a sense is, um, put aside the blue and white for, for three and a half hours, um, 
every weekend except November 3rd and, and, and say go blue. And I know that's hard to say. Um, ironically enough, at his, at his memorial service a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the guy who's now my boss um, that, that my dad hired a number of years ago um, is a huge Michigan State fan. And, and he he wrapped up his remarks at the service with, with the go blue. And uh, he said, as a Michigan State fan, it's one of the hardest things he's had to do. And um, yeah, I, I grew up around around Michigan football. I grew up, um, you know, with with a family that was was big into Michigan football. And I I live now, like I said, um, 20 minutes from Ann Arbor, so I'm kind of surrounded by it um, in my in my everyday life anymore. Um, but uh, there, I, nothing would make me happier than than an 11 and one Michigan season with a loss on November 3rd to Penn State. Which was actually, um, you know, unfortunately, that was the first um, college football game that my dad and I were going to go to together. And probably, I, I got to think here, it's probably been 13 years because the last game I, I definitely remember going to with him was the um, 2005 uh, Penn State Michigan game in Ann Arbor. The the unfortunate uh, Chad Henney to Mario Manningham last second play, um, the two seconds on the clock and all that stuff, but. Um, we were we were both really looking forward to to sitting down together and, and tailgating before the game and watching that game together and and I, I know I'm I'm still going with with my girlfriend to the game. Um, we've still got our tickets and uh, I know my dad will still be there with me and um, I just hope for the first time and probably my entire life, uh, dad dad leaves that game disappointed because um, every other game I went to him there um, and you'll read about it tomorrow. Um, dad got the upper hand on me so. Um, I, I, I usually the Notre Dame Michigan game don't don't have a favorite. I'm just hoping for, for uh, you know both teams each other up and but this year's a little bit different. And I hope hope to see Michigan pull out a win on on Saturday night in in South Bend. And I'm sure anyone listening uh, will agree with me in offering our condolences to you and your family. Um, any man who gets his son into college football deserves. Deserves the highest honor, and I'm sure he was a wonderful man. And again, uh, my deepest condolences to you and your family. Um, on a lighter note, though, this gives us an avenue to talk about parents and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> one of one, of, I, there have been two moments in my life where tweets have led to me being more confused than anything else. And one um, was, I think I tweeted something. I, I want to say. I mean, it was something Penn State football related, and um, I know my dad. My dad follows me on Twitter and Instagram. Actually, has never posted on either one of them, um, but I found out on this day that my mom followed me on Twitter as well because I I said so, maybe it was about Hackenberg or Ficken. Maybe actually it was probably Sam Ficken. I probably said something. Oh nope! Now I remember. It was something like right after the Virginia game, <laughs> and I I tweeted something along the lines of "I still love you, Ficken," and my mom out of nowhere texting me like how can you still love him and at first i was like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> i don't I, 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 I gotta share one, one of the last things my dad dad and this, this is it falls right in, in line with the story one of the last um conversations as it were my dad and i had was the the sunday of the, of the pga championship my dad was a huge golfer big golf fan and as you, if you were golfing, you remember that Tiger was in contention, you know, for much of the day on on Sunday. And I think it was on number eighteen in the final round. He just totally sliced, and um, I think it was so bad it, it went over the creek up the right side of the fairway. Um, you know, it was you know, if it was if it was a slightly better shot, it would have been in the water. It was so bad it missed. But uh, I tweeted something along the lines of another classic Tiger meltdown or or, or a vintage Tiger meltdown or something. And my dad must have not been watching or, you know, missed the context of it because it was a couple hours later and he, he texted me just Tiger Meltdown and with a question mark after. And I, of course, explained to him what it was. But that, that, that's kind of the, the, the crux of our relationship on Twitter, as it were, where I would tweet something. He would respond with the same thing with a question mark, either, either unsure of what I was referring to or questioning why I cared so much about it. But it, with Michigan, it was one of those things where – if you've seen Animal House, one of one of the great lines in the movie is is you can't do that to our pledges. Only we can do that to our pledges. And that's really what it was like for Michigan. My, my uncle at, at the memorial was talking about um I believe this goes back to the Al Borges days in Ann Arbor running the offense there. And I think that's the right name. I'm I'm probably wrong and someone will track me down and let me know if I am. But 
Um, yes, all those Michigan fans that listen to our he, podcast. He he was texting with my uncle the whole game. He goes, and my uncle, you know, you know, why are we still running up the middle? We can't. You know, we're not doing anything there. My dad goes, he's a freaking moron. And then you know, ten minutes would pass by, and they do something else stupid on offense, and my uncle would ask the question, and my dad would reply, he's a freaking moron. And it went back and forth. And, and the way my uncle shared the story is that the game ends, Michigan probably wins. And they end up talking about something else, you know, tweet, texting back and forth. And then I know where my dad responds, by the way, did I mention that he's a, in several choice words, moron. <laughs> and, and so, so like a lot of sports fans, I think fans of, of any team, Penn state fans, Michigan fans, Ohio state fans are hardest on their own team. Than probably anyone else, they expect you know, you know, perfect performances and big wins every week. Anything less than twelve and zero, winning every game by thirty is 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 unacceptable. And you know, my dad had his doubts about Harbaugh, and he had his doubts about Shea Patterson being the answer. But only he was allowed to say that 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 they 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 weren't nearly as good as people were thinking. If I had the audacity to to question anything Harbaugh said or did, or or the the hype that Michigan might be getting, then then that was not my place. Only he could talk about his pledges. Only he could talk about his his team that way, um, like I think a lot of us are. But um, it, it'll be weird on Saturday, and it'll be weird throughout the season. And um, but uh, it, it, it's I'm trying to think of how to explain this, but I think um, you know, like I said up front, that um, you know, about ten ten days ago, seven days ago, whatever it was, um, after kind of the dust had settled a little bit the reality that, that the football season was coming and um, getting returned to Penn state and seeing you see my best friends in the world that I, I went to school with that I still, you know, stay in touch with that we still tailgate together every year. Um, there, there's some comfort that comes from, from getting back to, to something that, that I enjoy so much and I enjoy so much because of, because of what he introduced me to 30 some years ago back at, at the big house. Absolutely. And while we all admit, we all, Jesus, while we all may have different reasons for it, um, we are all very excited for this Saturday to see Appalachian State take on our beloved Nittany Lions. Um, and with that, I think it's probably time that we bring this episode of the podcast to a close. We've gone on a little long here, but that's okay because week one is here and we are hyped and we have lots to talk about. Um, Make sure that you come back to Roar Lions Radio after the game, uh, the recap podcast featuring Bill and uh, someone, maybe Matt, maybe someone else, I'm not really sure, um, should be posted by Monday or Tuesday, so make sure you come back and listen to what we have to say about the game in the aftermath. Make sure you stick with RoarLionsRoar.com all week this week as we ramp up our coverage leading into week one. We'll let you know everything you need to know make some final predictions for the season, make some predictions for this game, um, any other fun content we can think of. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at RLRblog. Follow us on Instagram, I believe, is also at RLRblog. It is actually um, is it just not? Roar Lions Roar. Oh, okay. All one word. I made that, and I don't even remember. At Roar Lions Roar on Instagram. Make sure you head over to our store, um, Store Lions Store, which still makes me laugh every time I say it. I don't. Is that even what we officially call it? it I do when I when we we reference you know sales and new stuff going up. We've got um, just I'll mention real quick. We've got um, free shipping on everything in the store through uh, more or less game time. Um, that applies for everything, but we've got a special um, nine twenty nine nine or eighteen shirt. Um, I can't tell you what game it references and what event it references, but it is that game at the end of no- September that we were all very much looking forward to. I, I mentioned um, I will see Nick in State College for that game next month, um, but you can get your hands on that shirt for, for 25 bucks, a special price. If you order by Saturday, you will have it in time for, for that game. Um, and Just use code BEATOSU at checkout, and you will get free shipping on that or any other of our wonderful unique designs at store lion store or and if you want to check it out it is store.roarlionsroar.com and as always the shirts we i mean yeah it's tuning our own horns a little bit and it's tuning um the horns of our dear friend mitch but uh they really are excellent shirts and you should pick one up if you have not already um but yeah make sure you follow us in all those places please subscribe to us please leave us a review on itunes every little bit helps helps get us in the ears of more listeners um, but I think that's all, Matt. Any parting thoughts? 
No, I, I appreciate I appreciate everyone listening, uh, letting me ramble on for a little bit there about my dad. And um, I, if you are listening to this and you haven't checked out the site yet, I've got a, a column that's, that's going up Wednesday morning that uh, kind of delves into things a little bit deeper. And if uh, you want to understand a little bit more about a relationship that I'm sure a lot of a lot of our listeners have with their own parents, um, whether it's sports or something else that, that, that they turn them on to, um, I invite you guys to uh, to click over to RoarLionsRoar.com on Wednesday and, and check that out. You'll see it there. Yes, very much looking forward to that. Uh, very much looking forward to this weekend and very much looking forward to catching you all on the next episode of Roar Lions Radio. For Matt DeBear, for myself, Nick Pollock, have a great night, everyone.